Yes, yes, y'all, and you don't stop. Hammer HQ, come and rock the short shot. It's your host, John Legaza, the big dude with the big mouth from the Big Apple, Big Johnny Stud, coming to you worldwide from Brooklyn, New York, as always. We're coming out the chair, as always. The grass is green. It's smelling good. Are you ready for an MLB 2023 like you've never seen before? Hat tip to all the people at Hammer HQ. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. All that delicious stuff. This is just the promo. We're going to give you just a little taste of the big dude doing the thing that I do, man. The one-man band, we are going to do it all. I want to stop just really, really quick. Okay, Hammer HQ, call to the pen HQ. You follow him up on Twitter and on YouTube. We're hitting it hot and heavy, but I got to stop one more time. Tip my hat and thank the pizza man, Rob Pizzola, because without him, I'd just be some fat guy screaming at his computer, man. Let's get down and do the thing that we do, me and you, the Cork Stats crew. Here's what you can expect here at the Hammer Betting Network, the very best of the best. Come on, man. Tutu. You're doing everything. It's strategy. It's betting. We're going to do risk management. In the case you haven't, you know, figured it out yet, one kind of crazy person. But it's because I love this so much. You know, you can't fake this kind of funk. And I do have professional experience. Yes, I want to be entertaining because it's a long grind. When you spend all of your time betting, you got to find other stuff to do, right? You better have fun while you're doing this kind of work. But you're going to get really upset because there are inherent downtrends. Yes, unfortunately, losing is part of this thing of ours. But where I think we've all met them, right? The fakes, the fugazis. We know all about them. They're everywhere. And with the saturation of content comes the oversaturation of bad content being misled by people that are neither experts in their field or have kind of any professional experience really whatsoever. Well, Big Rob puts a makeup on this pig and hopefully you're about to get you know what it is. It's the fastest show in MLB absolutely anywhere. You could tell that I love it. I live it. And we are going to be bringing the smoke to you every day, Monday through Friday here at noon with yo's truly. We're going to try and just get through everything. If you can believe it, there is nothing like it. And you can expect this. This show is going to be coming at your 115 off the crack of the bat in August, in June. You check my show Rolodex, May 12th to July 17th. Who cares, man? Because every single day is a special day, right? And that's what it's all about. I really believe that you don't kind of stay the same, right? You either get better or you get worse at every single thing that you do. And if you think that you don't, you're probably getting marginally worse. Let that happen for long enough. You look back and, you know, you're substantially worse. And the thing that works in reverse as well, getting better every single day. We want to get just a little bit sharper. Yeah, we're going to give you picks at the end. Yeah, we're going to make you some money. But more than that, it's about sharpening the tools, right? My favorite Abraham Lincoln quote, you give me five hours to chop down the tree, I'm going to spend four hours sharpening my axe, man, because preparation is what it's all about, right? Process, greater than sign, greater than sign, greater than sign. Outputs. Because again, we're, we're going to lose. These things happen. And oh my God, it's first show. Talk about betting, talk about losing. Yes, it's easy to win. Putting money in your pocket is easy, but it's not easy to lose. And it's our response to that adversity, both emotionally and financially, that is going to separate us from the pack. Again, come on, man. If that don't earn the rate, the review, and the subscribe, I don't know what it's going to. Keep an eye again today. We're just streaming here on Twitter, getting the word out that the Italian Tasmanian devil is, you know, here. And we are going to just rip up the ivory tower. We are just going to rip it up. If you're tired of the way baseball is being covered, good. If you're sick of the way baseball is being covered, oh, good, because we're going to do it completely differently. Have some fun, make some money, math, geeky nerd stuff, but also a bit of fun. You know, I'm a hand in the dirt guy, man. I'm a Brooklyn guy from the street, born and bred as always. All right, enough of that. Now you know exactly what you're going to get. Five minutes of me is an eternity of me, because again, I only got one speed. I live in a red line. Let's get it and Man, it's opening day. Can you believe it? In the words of my man, the great Hambino, Palermo. Oh, we are just going to have so much fun. You follow me up on Twitter at John Legaza, J-O-H-N-L-E-G-H-E-Z-Z-A. And then, of course, you know, the Hammer HQ, call to depend HQ. And you can get me 24-7 any time of day, any day of week. We're bringing a smoke, baby. 115 off the crack of the bat, as always. So, I guess let's do some baseball, right? Let's do the handicapping that's got me in the chair. Again, huge, huge slate today. We're also going to be talking strategy. We're always going to be talking about sustainability. So, abasta, abasta. I mean, just to relax enough, you know, patience, patience. We'll get there.
an opening day. I know everybody wants to just go nuts and start betting. We don't know what the environment is look like. The ball, the humidors, are we getting carry? Are we not? Are barrels going out? Are home run to fly ball rates stabilized? All right, these are all things that are going to matter for us betters. You take it easy, but that doesn't mean that I didn't run the model. Come on. As you know, death, taxes, sun rising in the east, setting in the west, bears making dookie in the woods, and the big man up before the crack of dawn to bring you this bad boy. Man, you can't get this nowhere else. You can take that one to the bank and rubber stamp it. Okay, since, you know, we do have an audience to appease here, I wanted to cover every single game, but since there are games right around the corner, I think we're going to push those off to the four, and just if we have time, talking about the one o'clock games. This will be out in audio-only format as well. And I want this out in the vine just so people can kind of catch up and see what we're doing. And then at the end, we'll wrap up with a little bit of the 1 o'clock stuff. Um, you know, we kind of have the freedom to go as long as we want. So as long as I feel like it's entertaining and informative, you know, and there's still a little bit of data left to go, a little meat on the, on the bone. And, you know, we'll keep doing the thing that we do, man. I got nowhere to go because, like I said, absolutely. Look, just call me when it's November. That's when you'll find me sleeping, man. Absolutely resting my voice. All right, so I guess we'll start again. Let's start with the afternoon games. I got Philly and I got Texas, of course. You know, the big pitching matchup there. It's going to be Nola, going to be DeGrom. You'll notice in my work, I really like to f- uh, focus on pitching. I think that's the most important thing. And then, of course, we're doing our pricing. You know, I've been really into the BetStamp app because you can kind of see it for the video people up there. I want to see the prices. I want to see everything, especially right now. Prices can be a bit wonky. And I especially I believe you're going to be betting baseball and betting in kind of volume that profit is made on the edges and you and I could have the exact same ticket, let's say, right? The same picks, but I could be profitable and you might not. And it'd be just because of I use bet stamp and you didn't. Right. I got Texas at minus 130 opposed to minus 140. Not say I really like them. Again, pitching versus pitching, strength on strength, old line versus young line. I generally like to let these ones go. Early in the season, again, it's about not getting lumped up early, being patient, looking for some edge. I am going to get you some picks. All right, but it's Philadelphia and it's Texas. Again, the last thing we want to look for, not just the offensive environment, but the hitters themselves. You're not going to hear me quoting spring training stuff. I don't care about that whatsoever. As long as you're healthy, you're healthy. I'm not going to assert or assume what pitchers were trying to do, what hitters were working on. I'm telling you, that stuff is going to get you in trouble. You do six months of fantasy analysis, betting analysis, and then the game start. You're watching, you know, three exhibition games. Half the guys were playing overseas or something. So, you know, I'm not worried about that. What I am going to be worrying about is pitching where I think the answers to this key are, right? So you're getting Aaron Nola and you're getting Jacob DeGrom, goat on goat. I mean, Nola just had a ridiculous season, right? He went 205 innings, 0.96 with 325 ERA, but across the board, really everything very strong. 274 expected ERA, 25.5 K minus walk, work in the shadows, 66% for a strike rate. All the things that really like to see, right? Induces chases and can win in the zone, 85% zone contact. Keep that in mind. A very important stat, maybe that we don't hear enough of. Strong against lefties and righties. I mean, Nola is a GOAT. Texas offense is a bit up in the air, not sure exactly what we're going to get from him. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Everyone's in love with Corey Seager, me too. But right now, especially at the beginning, I believe the pitchers have the upper hand, right? Especially the ones that have been prepared and healthy. For me, it's NOLA greater than sign. Texas Rangers offense. If you're really into this stuff, you can check it out on Twitter. You follow me, you'll streamline you to my model work. I model every single game. It's all free right now to give you an idea of what's going on behind the scenes and how, right? We use the computer program, not to make the decisions, but just to highlight things and guide us. Because, again, we know irrational exuberance. We've been without betting baseball. Everyone's going to want to do it. Full slate, a million opportunities. But you don't want to lose because no bet is better than a bad bet. You know what? Let's quantify that for the new listeners. If you're unfamiliar with my stuff, I'd like to drop some lessons here and there. You know, funny things are everywhere, if you can be kind of susian with that stuff. You know, um, and of course, you know, I did that and I lost my train of thought, which is always what's going to happen um, when you talk as much as I do. So let's just back it up into the stuff that matters. Pitching Noah versus DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom just breaking the system everywhere you go. Oh, yeah, I was mentioning having the system just to highlight the opportunities for us so we don't overreact. Because it's important not to overreact with all the opportunities. And again, hopefully the models, if we're using these things like I do, 
as it gets more information, it's kind of getting smarter. It's kind of getting stronger. I like to look at teams and players. Here's what I was going to say in terms of sine waves, right? Where sometimes players erroneously get called hot. You have to make sure we're defining this. No one is the same. So, right, better players have longer, flatter sine waves that are higher above the average. Streaker players are going to be up and down. Remember, the game is always dynamic. No one ever moves up or down in perpetuity, in particular for offenses. So we don't know where the offense is starting on the sine wave. That was really the issue that I was trying to get before. I almost got derailed, but Heisman pros, and we're back on track. Jacob DeGrom is the GOAT. I know everyone's telling us that he's not making 30 starts this year. That's what we heard. Okay, he's not making 30 starts. Agreed. Is he starting today? Yes, he's starting today. So what does that mean? It means there's a chance of going eight innings and striking out 16 batters, you know, with allowing a single run or something like that. Sorry, I'm trying to juggle my Ninja Turtle mug here. But the show must go on. So, I mean, Jacob DeGrom, you want to do some Jacob DeGrom stats? They're always a lot of fun. They're hard to believe. 0.75 whip, 525 OPS from the big dog. A 153 XFIP, 178 deserved ERA, 39.3% K minus walk. Yes, you heard that. Not a 39% K rate. 39% K minus walk. You're doing something good. So, this one is going to be strength on strength. I'm really feeding these games. Because of the uncertainty around the ball. These ones, and the lesson that I wanted to get to before I started spinning all these bowls, right, is to be selective. And the lessons that I tend to drop, right, aside from a lot of the trading stuff, right, you'll hear me talking about sine waves and risk reward and things being in rectangular boxes opposed to moving in perpetuity, right, looking for a breakout. That's what a breakout is, is something moving and continuation out of the box, opposed to when we talk about regression models, something high, we expect it to go low, and something low, we expect to bounce back up. So let's do the selectivity thing and why it matters so much. Again, feather in the cap. This will be one of the things hopefully you'll leave with tomorrow. The novices out there that come to people like me, which I really do appreciate, to keep you in the game. I don't always win every day. That would be silly. But I have been handicapping out in public now for year after year after year after year because I'm putting up positive you know, results because I have a good process because I am selective. So here's for the simple lesson out there. If you have a hundred dollars and you lose 10%, you're down to 90 simple math. If you make another bet chasing it live, let's say and you make 10% back. Well, you're not back to a hundred. You're only at 99, right? 10% of 90 is 99. Continue that loop again in perpetuity over and over and over and over, and over again. You're going to end up at zero. So you would never think, right? That's not, that's like a counterintuitive part of betting. People think like, oh, I'm going to just exchange wins and losses. No, for every 10% you lose, you need to win 11. So every, you know, no bet is better than a bad bet, right? I don't just say it because it sounds cool. Hopefully it does kind of sound cool, but you know, it's because it's a quantifiable lesson to keep you in the arena. Boom. I'd be asking for a like if we we're on YouTube right now, man. Bet your bottom dollar on that one. So the game is what it is. And until we know about the sine waves and stuff, I'm going to lean on the pitching, in particular a guy like DeGrom, while he's healthy. So looking at the bet stamp, the bet stamp, my vision is not as good as it used to be. I'm going to have to give it a little talk. I got Philly at 120, the dog. I mean, I, when it comes close like this, like if I had to take a lean, that's generally where I'm going to be. I mean, it's just to me, not to keep beating like the intuitive thing, but there's a reason why these things are priced the way they are. Baseball is like incre- just incredibly variant. I'm going to try and flip back and forth between my model. Also, you can follow me. I, again, I mentioned it, but I post all the model work, but not just the results. I'll show you a little bit of like how we get there, compare the grades against the Vegas lines. And you could kind of decide for yourself what you want to play, right? I don't play every algo hit. The algo, of course, is going to identify favorites sometimes. I'm not a big favorite guy. Then you get into parlay. Stuff we'll be talking about as the season progresses. But for right now, I think it's really important to stay upon being selective. Let's look for just the very, very, very best spots. Again, you know, Nola and DeGrom pitching on pitching then it's a little bit less of that okay we got pittsburgh and we got cincinnati mitch keller against my dude hunter green this one's gonna be interesting again mitch keller has everyone buying the hype after the black and white shirtless you know video on twitter that seems to go around like every single year or so right you know let me get the odds out there first i should have got it so pittsburgh is a 121 dog to cincinnati minus 120 on the other side thank you so much my lovely you know producers back there really helping me uh, seem a bit more like publicly presentable than maybe I am in real life. So 
the thing that we want to be looking at here first and foremost always is the environment. In particular, right, I mentioned environment, but we want to see how Cincinnati is going to play. Do not assume it. One of my favorite stats with Cincinnati last year was the ballpark, Great American, led the league in home runs, right? So the most home runs happened at Great American ballpark. However, right, like butt, 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 like big shaking butt, right? Get the garden hose, shaking butt. They only had a single player to hit 20, and it was 20 on the nose. They didn't have another player to hit 15 or more. I think the next player was 14. How did they lead the league in home runs if they didn't hit any? The Reds were kind of trash. It's because that environment is ridiculous. Today is going to be our first sign. If you see the ball start to fly in Cincinnati, let's go get them. Now, you may even want to go get that over in the first place, you know, totally viable, something I've been doing since the second half of last year, getting on these kind of first five team totals. I think there's some edge there. Again, me handling the model, you see a lot of these averages and computerized expectations. And what ends up happening is generally, long story short, the odds, the general line should probably be too flat, meaning two runs flat over two runs for five innings. The problem is then books doesn't don't want to deal with the push on that. They don't want to they do not want to give you your money back. They especially don't want players like myself depending at five, right? And you have a favorite. If you fall behind, let's say you even tie it up, you get your money back in a tie. And really what I'm gonna get at is let's say you bet the Yankees as a favorite. Your expectation is to be winning after five. You know I mean, I bet F5 to eliminate the variables of bullpens. A lot of times the picks would be the same. Not always, but I'd rather avoid bullpens that are a bit wonky. But the thing is, if you bet a favorite Yankees, let's say, regardless of the odds, I don't pay juice, and it's tied at the five, you get money back. To me, that's a loss, right? That's a that's a loss. Those totals should be set at two. And, and a lot of times you see that kind of subsequent, the butterfly effect, like the ripple, how the – inability to properly price the totals has kind of rippled that across the money lines and stuff now because of people like myself they're not even post they're posting these things later and later and now they kind of juice them up to the gills trying to get us into the run line quick note on the run line again if you hang with me get used to seeing f5s but also get you seeing run lines and the reason why one we love underdogs so we love plus money pricing because we're allergic to juice but more importantly if you get an underdog on the run line, which is plus half a run spread, right? Half a run. You cash on a tie for five. So that same scenario where if you had favorite money line F5, tie is a push. Underdog tied F5 run line plus half run. I know it's a bit complicated, but trust me, this stuff is worth understanding. Is a win. And I kind of made my bones an entire season winning on ties. And that's what it's all about, right? You start winning. And now it just becomes a race to 15 out. So if you identify a bad team with a good pitcher and a serviceable offense, you take those. And then you hope they lose. And this would happen all the time. Teams like the Marlins, we're going to bet teams like the Tigers, with teams like the Diamondbacks that have a few good pitchers here and there. They have terrible bullpens, serviceable offenses. They'll be tied and or winning after five. They will lose the game, get posted as an underdog again. We will rinse and repeat. So just to, you know, the first like 20 minutes or so, give an idea of the speed, the pace, some of the analysis, how we work in lessons, because really all these things kind of work together, right? It's, you have to understand the game, but you have to understand how to apply it, right? You could, I could almost tell you the result of the game. If you didn't know how to bet it properly, you're not going to do that well. Right. So that's, you know, there's more to betting than just knowing the answer. So the Cincinnati environment is something we absolutely are pushing to the fore that must be paid attention to. One of the things I'm looking out for, you know, quite literally most, you know, of today would be that I have the Reds favored. They didn't quite trigger the algo for a hit, but I do have them. And of course, I have it playing neutral to the total. But again, I want to—I like to be very transparent about this. I don't like when people cite black box proprietary models, which again, I want to cite my model sometimes and put, put 5,000 hours of work into the darn thing. I should. But you need to be able to kind of validate and explain it to people why and how these things work. And to just give you an idea, right now, because of the weather, we're turned offensively down, right? So think of there, you, if you're going to model baseball, you need a volume button to kind of move with the weather. Right to match the expectations, things we've seen, the results of barrels, the degradation of results on barrels at first that we saw kind of climb back, but still overall is down. Right. So there's like another trading theory, right? How 
even within greater bull stretches, there are bear runs. And that's the whole thing about thinking, that, you know, against perpetuity. Nothing is infinite, right? The Amazon stock line looks like it's a straight line when you zoom out 10 years. But if you look at yesterday, it might even be down. So patience, patience, basta, basta, let it, let it come to us. Similar to the players that we want to invest in, right? Let the opportunity come to you. And then when you get a chance, you smash that bad boy. Both of these offenses are probably pretty bad. Although I think the Pirates, when healthy, up top might be a little better than expected. A guy like O'Neill Cruz, one of my favorite uh, MVP bets, you know, going off like 100 to 1 or 121. He has the skill set to do it. Remember, he's responsible for the hardest thrown ball and hardest hit ball in history, recorded history. And unless you think someone was doing it faster and harder before StatCast, like all this new training stuff, I have a hard time believing that, all the biomechanics and stuff. So you have to think it's like ever. He's a young kid. And people are bashing his average. I don't think he's been up enough to make that determination. So that's the bet I'm really making. I'm keeping an eye on Cincy, the scoring. I'm keeping an eye on Pittsburgh. I think uh, since he probably makes another strong F5 play, I think Hunter Green is about three or four greater than symbols over Pittsburgh. And if he can get that kind of near even or something palatable, I think that one is probably worth it. Let's circle. And at the end, we'll try and put together a little pack of bets. Hey, let's stop and do some more thinking and a bit more teaching because at the end of the day, that tomorrow, well, certainly tomorrow is more important than, you know, who, who won. And I think there's oftentimes an overreaction to run to the window, right? Press the buy button, press the confirm button whatever it is. And I usually challenge people like, how did, where, how did you press that? And where is that in the kind of tapestry of the day? And then how is that piece of the quill part of the greater tapestry? What I'm getting at is again, those fake fugazis that I mentioned who, you know, the best way to spot them outside of, you know, whatever carrying pink handbags in front of private jets that they don't own the best way to spot them is a uh, unit size right now. I, again, as a professional, right. Who's fully transparent, winning and losing to me, one unit equals one percentage of stack. Very clearly defined down a hundred units means bag of oranges tied to a stick on the highway out of business. Lights are off. Kids are hungry. Simply put. People that bet 15, 18, 35, the 5,000 unit max will play, mind you. Where is this grounded in reality? Who are these people appealing to? And how does that translate into novice and new betters? The people I like to focus on the most. Though I do like to think I bring some smoke for the, you know, the vets out there, right? I've founded my own derivatives trading company. I have a lot of experience in making, you know, high speed, high leverage decisions. And though I, I'm not betting at quite the level I was when I was doing it professionally, very hard to do content and that at the same time. You know, not that I, and I wouldn't want to be giving away edge. That's not really the point. The things we have learned is trading floor to betting floor. Come up with the risk allotment first. Work your way backwards. And that's what I mean, people running to the window. Identify a bet. I'm like, oh my God, it's smash. Why don't you bet on it? Well, a unit. What's a unit? I don't know. It's a, it's a thing. And that's a problem, right? And this is really, it sounds kind of abecedarian, right? Like very kind of basic, but that's the first and first and worst way to get yourself in trouble and to have to deposit soon because you're not properly managing. So if you want to roll with me, expect some boring stuff, expect a lot of discipline, expect management, but that's why I also post all my stuff. So like I break down everything. I post all my results. You know, I'm, I have my stuff set to the strictest level. But if you want to bet the algo and there are people who have done very, very well betting outside of my own recommendations on the stuff, you go do that. But for me, I like to focus on the noobs right now. Let's pick our spots plus EV, be sustainable. Now that we know that we have 100 units to our being, to our small business, and right, if we own the trinket store, we wouldn't be going in the register to go to Red Lobster, right? Now, would we? Or Olive Garden, we would be doing that. You want to put up positive quarters, positive half, roll it back into the business. So now that we know we have 100 units to our lifeline, how much you bet on a day? You certainly can't bet 15 units, road to row, and you're out. Especially now that you know every 11, 10% you lose, you need 11 to get back, and that works its way up to the scale. I have found that get professionally... These things are time-tested with professionals. I usually set my daily limit around 25 to 3%, right? And the reason that's going to matter, and then we can blow through the baseball, because this is what's going to make you better at betting baseball. Before you laid the U down, how many plays do you like? 
figure out how many plays you like, knowing how much you have to risk. Again, you don't you don't have to set it. I think you can throttle it. That's probably a bit more professional. I think for for beginners, you should set a risk. Let's say two percent. So that'd be two units. And you'll be like, oh, how can you bet two units to make any money? Well, that's what when they say you need money to make money, take money to make money. That's a phrase I was looking for. That's what they mean. Rich people don't risk more by percentage. They risk more by total. They generally risk less by percentage than you do. And that's why you're poor. Not you, but you, you, you the guy behind you. That's why you're poor. And he's like, yeah, that's why my pockets are inside out. Because they're always over-levered. So you find out the amount of plays. We do this very simply. Then we we'll get back into the baseball. You have two units to risk. You did all of your work. Nighttime slate on deck. Very excited. Four plays. Let's say they're all even money. If they're all even money, you split it four ways, half a unit on each. Boom, you walk away. If they're different prices, you can fine tune the dials so they all pay out the same. Again, there are ways to round robin and parlay. I generally advise people to stay away from it. Let me see. If you like a number in any game, let me know to lock it in. Oh, I will. I thought I was getting a comment. So there you go, live TV, everybody. I uh, stepped on my first rake. Hopefully my nose won't get any bigger. All right, let's dive into some more baseball stuff. Right, all right, that's enough learning. Let's go Let's go blow some money. Let's burn some money on this stuff. Next up, I know we have a lot of Canadians in the crowd there, hey? So give me the Bluebirds against St. Louis. Yeah, this one, I think we are going to get some money down on because my algo is kind of screaming. We got Alec, the big dude, Manoa, against Miles Michaelis. So right now here, again, if we're picking spots and we're into pitching, I think this is a place that we have the pitching edge. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up, man. I don't have to squint, man, even with glasses. I got to squint sometimes, man. I'm going to end up with Coke bottles on. Well, hopefully it's a beer bottle, not a Coke bottle. So here we're seeing this one lead pretty much right near next to even money. Now, while uh, granted, I do think the Cardinals offense is very good. I think this price is being erroneously moved and manipulated, not manipulated, um, influenced is the word I was looking for, influenced by spring training data. People have been down on Manoa. I am not. I think Manoa is a absolute beast. He looks every bit of a brick S house. So Manoa last year, 196 and two thirds, 224 ERA, 0.99 whip, a 581 OPS with a 244 deserved ERA. Yes, the K's were down, but I did cover this kind of granularly. You know, he just had a little bit of bad luck getting uh, contact allowed outside the zone, which again is not something we're worried about. But it's not like he was bad. This is, again, fantasy. I think sometimes fantasy markets drive betting markets because that's where a lot of the attention is being paid. And don't worry about that. Because, like I said, the, the out-of-zone contact led to these banana contact allowed stats. 23.7% hard hit rate allowed. 5% barrel, less than 3% blast. A 283x Woba, Alec Manoa. He had a 460 OPS allowed to righties. I mean, just bananas. And the Cardinals, very right-handed. So I actually think Manoa has a clear upper hand here against Michaelis, who's really more of a contact guy. Yeah, the whip was nice last year. 202 innings, 103 whip, a 329 ERA, 640 OPS. But the stuff that I'm usually looking for against, against a very good Toronto team, I know I was trying to do as little asserting as possible when it comes to offense, which I, I think you know makes sense because of what I was saying. We don't know where where in the sine wave we're going to pick this up, right? How did the training hit? Is everyone healthy? Is everyone's timing down? Like that's the stuff that matters. The Toronto offense last year, just ridiculous and very little turnover. In fact, if anything, they improved it near the top of the board in the league and not just 328 OBP, 761 OPS, but a 20% K rate, top five in chase rate, right? So you can see how those things work when you combine it with a top eight barrel rate as well, right? So they're not striking out. They're not chasing, making lots of good contact when they get it. And the flip side to that is Michael, this allows a lot of contact, right? No, this is not some kind of secret, 19% K, only 5% walk, right? So he's working inside the zone, which is exactly, exactly as the Caterpillar would say, where we want to be. Let's check out the, the algo score on this one. I just got overs. So let's bang this one. Let's make this one our first play. I think you're going to get it with the bullpens as well, but I would stick to the F5 because generally that's where I make my bones. Give us the F5 over. That one right now is at 03.5, which again, let's just stop really quick. That's a number that we love, right? Now the four is not bad because you get it back on a push oftentimes. Three and a half is especially low. I think there's a pathway that Toronto alone clears the full game f5 so i like that team total i also like the f5 
over. So we're going to go F5 over 3.5. That one you got to shop. You're generally going to find these things close to even. I don't like to go past minus 110 on totals. But if, if you got to, if it's 112, again, I don't like to throw your money. I'm never going to do that. Numbers matter. But I don't want to throw away the one play that I like on, you know, a, f- a few cents. I think you have to, I think there some points you have to eat it. But if you look up, you'll see some minus 110s. So let's get that. Again, offenses on both sides, really good. And this will cover us just in case Manoa is not great. I think Toronto's going to get Mikolas for four. Like I, I straight up do. But then the flip side of that is if Manoa is not great, St. Louis is getting there too. Toronto is there too. Let's clear that four. Let's put that one on the board. Um, you know, let's rack it up. I think I feel pretty confident about that one. Expect my cash to be on that one as well. All right, next up, NL East. Oh, yeah, baby. It's the chairman of the board, old blue eye, Max Scherzer. Man, love that, man. How great is he doing it for us old men out there? Just ridiculous last year. Again, he kind of falls into that. DeGrom category. Let's be weary of allowing preseason narratives and fantasy stuff that might not matter to get into our minds, right? We kept being browbeaten. Scherzer's is going to miss games and he's hurt, right? Now he's not. Remember, fantasy is a one-year contract, okay? Betting is a nine-inning contract. We shrink it down to 15-out contract. If Scherzer's out there doing the one-eye thing, giving the evil eye out there, that my luck, yeah, we are absolutely get behind the chairman of the board. He should absolutely dominate these Marlins who really kind of stink. Bottom of the board last year, 293 team OBP, 24% K to 7% walk, 289 team Woba, almost really near like the bottom of the board. Mets offense flip side was just awesome. Two seven, and down the stretch, especially that second half. I know they got dinged for falling apart. Their offense was very, very good. 340 team Woba. Only 19% K, 10% swing strike as a team. Mets showing a lot of good discipline along with strong quality of contact, the things that I like to look for. Again, stats in combination. I know I use a lot of numbers, but hopefully they speak to you. Oh, let's stop and do a spinning bowl. Oh, man, do we have to spin a bowl on a spinning bowl? Well, it's that guy from the gong show, right? He spin bowls on sticks. Every bowl is a piece of, you know, is an idea, right? And as long as you get back to it before it falls off. That's how you build critical thinking, right? It's one of my favorite kind of analogies. Now, without losing it, what I wanted to mention this time is compartmentalizing stats and have them speak to you, right? So you got to be careful. Lots of people, especially, quote, I think the wrong stats. Everyone's favorite stats are stat cast, kind of content quality stuff, barrel and ex-Wobicon and blast rates. Yeah, I get it. Those are sexy to have little lollipop sliders and all that stuff. When they're red, we're like, well, it's great. The problem is those stats are the least reliable. They also often describe the same thing. So talk about like, you know, the best way to get yourself into trouble would be to use non-sticky stats predictively and then use them and double count them was the term I was looking for, the truest way to get yourself in trouble. So give me, of course, give me Max Scherzer over the garbage Miami offense. I don't know if I'm going to bet it, though, because, man, if anyone is going to shut down those Mets, it is Sandy Alcantara. Both of these guys just ridiculously impactful on a permanent basis. This one should be, you know, should be a lot of fun. Let's go to the Algo. You're going to see a lot of blue, right, for unders and stuff like that. I, I try and match my sheet work to the Savant kind of metaverse out there where red is good, hot and cold is bad, blue. Uh, this one, the odds is probably fair. I think the lines are all really fair. I don't think you're going to get any edge here at all because of, you know, Sandy and just how dominant. Let's take a, just, just a quick look at Sandy. You know, again, the fantasy narrative was like he doesn't strike people out, and therefore, you know, that makes him less of a pitch. Well, we don't care about that. Right, the things that we care about are all firmly in place. With my favorite new metrics from my boy Alex Chamberlain, PFIP, my favorite earn run indicator, my new one, one of the best in the league at two point five. But all the other earn run indicators deserve the array two five two. The fastball's up near ninety eight miles an hour. He doesn't walk anybody. I mean, just just awesome. And the fifty three percent ground ball rate is what we love so much. That he can work up in the zone. He induces a lot of pop ups which actually take away from that fly ball rate, which is another bowl. Let's just spin it really quick. People over here quoting fly ball rates, but if you're using fan graphs, GB plus LD plus FB, ground ball, line drive, fly ball, those equal 100. You cannot quote fly ball rate FB without using IFB, the infield fly, because those are automatic outs, both directions, right? Meaning you don't want to quote a hitter as being an extreme fly ball hitter if he's as a 20% pop-up rate. The other way, you don't want to ding a pitcher for being a 45% fly ball pitcher if they're inducing double-digit 
infield fly. Now, granted, Sandy is a 30% fly ball rate, but he also has a 12% infield fly rate. You have to look at all these things. That's an added context of elevation. Those baskets I like to speak in. So they that's, that speak to us. So we don't overreact. Thinking of players, again, macro terms of sine waves, micro in terms of production, discipline, elevation, batted ball quality. How does the hitter approach the plate? Right? Do they swing too much? Do they miss too much? Walk strikeouts. Do they put the ball on the ground? Elevation. And then is the quality good? Remember, batted ball quality should probably always be near the end. So the, the bet that I probably would like the most, and I know this one's a little out there. I, I didn't see the pricing on this one. Would probably be getting Sandy with the plus half run, but I don't like the Scherzer matchup. So this is a perfect example of a play we're probably going to like when Sandy, who will, believe it or not, be an underdog, right, against better teams that maybe you get him. Like, he'll be an underdog to the Dodgers no matter who the pitcher is, and that's a good spot to get that run line play. So I don't like to just talk. I'd like to show you how we apply it, even if I'm not really into this bet necessarily. So Mets and Fish should be a really good one to watch. I'm not expecting a lot of scoring. Again, my my gut just says the Mets are going to struggle, and if the Marlins happen to hang one on Scherzer, they probably locked in the F5 because Alcantara just looks so, so good. And he has a robust arsenal. He's able to work all over the zone. All right, let's pick up the pace just a touch. This one, I think, is where my prop betters and, like, the DFS crowd will probably be today. Probably, likely, at least, by my model and other, you know, objective measures, would be the worst pitcher going today in Zach Donald Duck Granky is going for the Royals with cheese. Those Royals will be in the Twin Cities facing the Twinkies and Pablo Lopez, who, again, we're just learning lessons everywhere. We're going to leave here like looking like big bird feathers sticking out of the cap. I call this one the Christian McCaffrey principle for the football people out there, right? We were just told incessantly that he would never survive a football season. He can't do it. It's impossible. He's not built for it. Draft a guy that hasn't missed a practice since high school because that's how you guarantee 17 games. Well, the same was being said for Pablo Lopez. There was just not a shot in H-E double hockey stick. He'd ever go across 100 innings, no matter how you know impactful they may be on a per-inning basis. So stupid people like myself were fading him in fantasy, and he threw 180 innings near one of the league leads. So, again, it, trying to predict injuries is damn near impossible. The one thing I do try to avoid is players that are currently injured. Right now, Pablo Lopez is not currently injured. There was a time when Zach Wheeler could never give you 200 innings. There was now a point when right, Jorge Lopez couldn't give you 100. So this may be the the, the turning, the, the awakening, the Lopezing, the Pabloing, you know, of him. So I'm not really I'm not ready to throw away the baby with the bathwater. Extreme, extreme advantage here. Um, can we get the lines up for the twins? Let's get the lines up for everybody. Twins and and Royals. And I don't think this one is is properly priced. May have to get some ducats down on this one. The reason I asked for it, the odds were swinging around. And, yeah, they seem to have kind of settled. See, I saw this one at like a minus 130, minus 135, which is what becomes so difficult about trying to post picks for a show like this. And, again, I know I know you know that Rob cares. And I hope you know that I care because he brought me in, right? You gravitate to him because of all the good things. He brought me in, hopefully – of all the good things, and that you'll feel the same way. And this is one that I would have had earlier. So, again, now I'm, I'm very, very open. You had the Fugazis, the pink handbags, wearing makeup. We all know them. They're going to post this one at minus 128, where it was this morning when I circled it. However, but, 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 big shaking butt, get the garden hose. It's not there anymore. So where I loved it at minus 130, we're now pushing minus 160. And what is a handicapper to do, right? What am I to do? So that's this is a perfect example of why I just post all my model work and let people work it out. Because I do physically kind of grade these things. I objectively grade all these games. And I leave it up to you. People are smarter, smarter than me out there to say, well, you know, you had did your own analysis. Maybe it's validated in the spread in the model, the algo picks. And then you'll say, you know what? I do like this at 155. You know, I know a lot of people. I don't want you to blindly use my stuff. I do. I don't want to replace the big dogs. I just want to be part of the tool belt. And so this one, I do like Minnesota. I think they have the upper hand on both sides of the ball. Actually, third side of the ball, if you want to count the bullpen. So I think Minnesota runs away with this one. But unless you can get them with a pair or you don't mind paying juice, like I don't pay minus 160 for baseball games because there's so many opportunities. But I feel I could do better. 
So you're saying to me, let's do another lesson before we move it on. Well, that's why, you know, the big guy upstairs invented the run line, right? That's why we have the run line to cover the spread. I don't do that anymore because of the ghost runner. So, you know, where I used to love the run line, and I was explaining I was a love to bet underdogs. I, I used to love nothing more than getting the plus one and a half run on an underdog. You get into extra innings, and you can basically bank that bad boy going into the bottom of the tent, knowing you're losing, more or less. Awesome. Turn the TV off. That, that run and a half is not safe anymore. So that's a major issue, right? So if that didn't stick real quickly, right, we have uh, Marlins Mets, right? Our Marlins, we have them plus one and a half. Sandy and Scherzer both go nine shutout innings. Mets lock down the Marlins in the top of the 10th. Marlins go into the bottom of the 10th in New York. But now there's a runner on second. So if that first pitch hole run, that used to be the thing we were rooting for. We're literally, literally, literally rooting to lose, you know, to lose the game. And cast the spread. Now, with that run, it's a little too volatile. It really is. So that's worked in both ways, and it's gotten me off of full game run lines. So a lot of times I've ended up passing on these. But again, I'm not saying I'm right, you're wrong. We're just different. There are a hundred ways to skin that cat without scratching his butthole, as my grandfather used to say. So, you know, be willing to be malleable. And as much as I like to teach and show, you don't have to do it my way. It's not the only way. And again, that's why I have all that stuff. Again, I'm just doing it for like more or less free out there. All right, next up, Dylan, stop, cease, and desist. It's the pale hose from the wrong side of the tracks in Chi-Town. Those White Sox going to Houston to face my boy, Framber Valdez. He's one of my Cy Young picks. I absolutely love what we saw from Framber. And if you can't tell from the you know tone of my voice, I think he is just going to absolutely shut down. I think he's going to shut down the White Sox. People are, I don't want to say they're erroneously labeling him a ground ball pitcher because he does get a ton of ground balls. This is Framber Valdez, right? Tons and tons, like all ground balls, like 66.5% ground ball last year, 16% fly ball, 9% of those are infield flies. So like when he does actually get you to raise his eye level, you can't get up to it. He's really, really good. Really, really good. People knock him for the strikeouts, but he had a pitch mix change. He added in a cutter, and we saw the K rate kind of pop. So I believe with the newfound velocity and pitch mix change, also remember the Astros are very analytically driven, and they knew the shift would be being removed. You're not going to stop this guy from being a ground ball pitcher, but you will. I mean, that's what I'm saying with a degree of certainty. They will adapt. You will see him work differently, and I think we saw him do that. Right? I'm not just guessing. I believe the cutter and working up is a function of the coming doom they saw the coming babbit doom you know for having a 66 percent ground ball rate too many of those would get through so framber can get the swings and misses when he needs again 11 and a half swinging strike 29 percent csw these are not trash at all at, at all the 89 percent zone contact rate because he's so good working at and around the corners of the zone on the black is what gets him all the weak contact okay so just remember nuance and context when you hang out with me and hammer hq in general Bond, call to the pen, HQ in general. We're going to be getting those rate reviews and subscribe. Hit us on Twitter any time of day, any day of the week. You know, we got you doing the things that we do. And make sure you're hooking up BetStamp. I think we already showed you already why BetStamp is so impactful and so important to have such easy access to all the different prices. Could you just imagine, like, think about how ridiculous this tool is, not just in, like, the cool way, like, yeah, it's ridiculous, bro. But, I mean, like, it's, it's quite literally ridiculous. Like, Webster's Merriam, you know, ridiculous. Imagine going into a store and having, you know, the the, the, the bottle of seltzer. I'm a big seltzer guy. The seltzer you're going to drink. All next to each other, but you could pay a dollar, a dollar five, dollar twenty-five, dollar forty-five, dollar fifty-five. At one point, you might say, "Yeah, you know, for two cents, I don't want to reach up that shelf." But for when you're talking like forty percent differences, and we see that, right? Thinking in terms of percentages, realizing again, profits is made on the edges. You, you got to be careful. And there are times that I let it go, let it go, I let it go, man. You know, and it doesn't mean I'm perfect, and it doesn't mean I always get it right, but. I do like to draw the line and not walk into the trouble of juice again, because baseball provides so many opportunities. And as the season goes on, I feel the model picks up on changes, trajectory changes first. That's really what's been a key to our success. So I don't like to put the cart in front of the horse, but I'm okay being patient because I always feel like the better times are on the horizon, right? I'm not trying to fool anybody. Then the other side, Dylan sees, man, he's awesome. People worrying about the walk rate. Stop worrying about the walk rate. 30% K rate. He's fine, man. 97%, 97 mile an hour fastball. And I believe Cease is another one of these guys. Okay. It was actually Dylan C. So get ready to, you know, tweet at your favorite podcaster. 
so Dylan Cease off like knocked for the high fly ball rate, 44% fly ball. However, the double digit infield fly is why he's able to keep the home run to fly ball rate down, which just so you know, is why the crowd is off of him, right? The projection systems come out. They regressed his fly ball, his home run to fly ball rate. That has a direct subsequent effect on ERA, right? More home runs is more runs just by definition. And that's what's getting people off of, excuse me, the expectations. So when you can identify the pitchers, players, teams that you think are improperly being adjusted by the quants, to me, as a stupid person, like that's how I found my way. And as a stupid person hoping to teach other not-so-stupid people, that's what we've done really, really well, really, really, really well, is to understand what the quants, what the machines are doing, and where the wrinkle is that we may be able to take advantage. So Dylan Cease, really, really awesome. Not trying to knock him. The problem with Cease is, you know, that Houston offense, man, just awesome, awesome. Because, again, the disciplinary basket. So combinations of stats, right? Why does it matter? 742 OPS. It's great. On base plus slug, top five in the league. 323 Woba as a team on a season. Same. Awesome. The reason why they stand out. Because the disciplinary basket is elite. The Astros, top three in K rate, top five in walk rate. As a team, as a team, a team, 11% K minus walk. Talk about discipline. Pairing it, right? Let's move bit of baskets. Why are you going to be back here every day, Monday through Friday? Why are you saying, what was I, those other shows? What are those? They are not this. This is this. There is only this. There is only call to the pen, HQ, like Highlander. There can only be one. The thing with Houston is they combine the disciplinary basket with elite contact skills. So this is not just a team, oh, they don't K and they kind of walk because they don't swing. No, it's not the case. They're pairing a top five zone contact rate, 88%, with a top eight battle rate, 8%. And there's the explanation down the line just why Houston is so very good. They make you work. And then, like, that's the back end of the discipline, why it matters so much. Not only are you selective and hopefully able to maximize on the content quality, the thing we know is wonky. But in this age of hyper-specialized babyism, right, babying all these pitchers, if 100 pitches workload, every pitch is a percent. Have your guy go out there take five pitches, 5% of the workload. You go out there, start fouling balls off. You have a couple hitters, rack up 20% of a workload. Not the kind of terms that I think People are thinking about the way they should. So I, I do like Cease overall. I really like Framber, but I would have to give the nod to the Astros on this one for sure. Astros minus 135 actually might have a little bit of value there. Cause I think when you combine, I think when you combine the two sides, I think the Astros clearly, clearly, clearly the better team. I know the White Sox are fun when they're healthy, but how long, for how long? I don't know. And they are really also inconsistent. They really are inconsistent. There's a lot of kind of flawed profile. So if you wanted to circle something on the outside there, then maybe if you're into pairing or you're looking for edge or if you're looking to build DFS stacks, I think we're going to get, probably get some love from Houston, though. Remember, you know, Cease is a tough customer. All right, let's move on to the next one. Listen, we got to be round, be round in third yet? Oh, well, how many games left? All right, we got four. I got four left on the afternoon. Let's try and do these really fast, and then maybe I'll give you just a quick, like, um, off, the, off the hip on the other ones. This one we should do pretty quick. Bring it up. We got – Colorado, and we got the Padres. I mean, Padres, really just excellent. This is another one that's kind of lopsided. Herman Marquez, I think the days of hoping for his shine are over. Last season, 182 innings, 495 ERA, 1-4 four with a near 800 OPS. That's the kind of thing that gets you on the bus to Tuscaloosa. 19% K to 8% walk, 10% swinging strike. Really, really not any good. He doesn't induce chases anymore. He doesn't win in the zone anymore. He has a 90% in zone contact rate. This is Herman Marquez. He led a 47% hard hit rate. So not only is he losing in the zone, but he's getting beat up badly. And I think that's now reflected in the price for San Diego. I know I was kind of bashing the run lines, but if I were going to take one, this one's going to be it. If the betting ticket falls a little short by the time we get to the end, I think let's let's keep this one circled would be the San Diego run line. Because not only do I think Colorado is the inferior Pitcher has the inferior pitcher. They are the inferior offense. Thank you so much out there, man. What a what a lovely community we're building here already in just our first 45 minutes. But we also have a clear, distinct bullpen edge. 
Borg was like banged up the last we heard from them. After that, it's like it's really bad. Like Pierce Johnson, I don't even know who the Rockies. I honestly don't know. And I'm like a draft and hold drafter. Like I go 750 players deep. I don't know who is going to be getting outs for the Rockies if they need him in the fifth inning. Right? How far is Marquez going to go against a really good Padres lineup? And you know, it sounds funny. They some of the weirder ads they made might be the biggest ones. Again, prop people. Anytime there's a righty on deck, you want to be looking at Matt Carpenter, you know, for real. Blake Snell, I know he gets thought of as a second-half guy, but I still think he gets it done. He's just really, really good because he scrapped that changeup, and that's what I want to be looking for. So if I were to leave this one on the cutting room floor, it would be because I want to see the pitch mix change first, but that's the thing that we're looking for. We're looking to make sure Snell is kind of – keep the change in your back pocket, brother. You don't really need it. The Colorado Rocky offense is not any good. You may have to dance around Chris Bryant, but that should be it. So I think the pricing – especially something we have to talk about uh, maybe and we'll address more in the season this is a little more detailed is this spread between money and run line right i think because again i was demeaning it a bit theoretically because of the of the runner but then i said that there could be value i think the way again i never like to just push people towards the door without having them know what might be on the other side right crack it open let a little bit of light come in the, where you make the decision is the disparity in the pricing, right? So we're talking a full, I tend to say cents and dollars. Some people just say dollars. Like, you know, so if you say ten, a, a dollar, right? We mean moving from minus one tenth to minus two tenth, right? If you, some people would say a hundred cents, right? Is a buck. Some people say a hundred bucks. Uh, we're all speaking the same language though. It's a major, major move, a 100% move for that one run. That's when you pay the one run. That's when you paid it. That's when that's when you go for it. That's when you go for it. Because I think the Padres could win this one going away. Again, not hard to find a lot of pitching edge. All right, let's move it up. It's the Halos going to Oaktown to face the elephants on beach ball. Shohei Gotani, man. This guy is ridiculous. Yo, you know what's funny? As if as if we need to put more respect on this guy's name. We do from a pitching standpoint. Yes, he's a dual threat. Yes, he's a phenomenal hitter. The strides and improvements he's made as a pitcher are downright ridiculoso, okay? Just absolutely ridiculous. Do not, do not sell this guy short whatsoever, okay? It is legit. The changes that he's made, they're sustainable. Velo adding pitches with the new sweeper. 2-3-3 ERA, 1-0-1 whip, all the earn run indicators firmly below three, which is where you want to see him. 26.5% K minus walk, 15 swinging strike, and then 82% in zone contact rate. So he can win inside the zone. That's also something one of those secondary stats, let's say, that even maybe more beginners want to be looking at. That's the stuff that matters. There are chase pitchers that are good in inducing swings and misses outside the zone. Very important. Very important. However, if you fall behind, those are less effective. So you want to add in whether or not a pitcher can win in the zone with zone contact paired with swing and strike. So we know we get that. And Otani just gets all of that. He's very good around the edges. You see that reflected in the hard hit rates. 24.5% hard hit, 2.3 blast, three quarters of home run per nine, a 256 X Woba for Gotani. I mean, they they just gonna rock and roll on these in on Oakland. You will, you will, will, will absolutely see us betting on Oakland this year, but it won't be against the Angels until the Angels kind of fall apart and they're not facing Otani. Remember, the baseball odds are kind of weird. They they have a somewhat of a ceiling. Like, they don't get to NBA levels. They don't get to minus 600. They don't get to NFL levels, minus 800. That just doesn't happen because of the wonkiness in baseball. So let's keep that in mind also. I often like to preach, right, reading the board, using the numbers, doing the math, and being okay, saying, nah, not this time. That's what this is. This is a nah, not this time. Because you're going to get these same A's at plus 190 against worse teams if you're looking for the dog play. The angel side, I can't stomach the juice. If you could stomach the juice, I guess there might be a natural pairing here with the twins. But I can, on my first show, recommend pairing two favorites to get plus money because that is like the ultimate donkey move. However, that's one of those like old school donkey things where maybe it's not that bit square anymore. Because we've had this like real, real separation, right? differential separation disparity between the really good and really bad teams that that's what it is you know you if you want to bet against the a's you're gonna to have to eat the juice i mean again maybe go for 
the run line, but in this one, the run line not as spread, right? The 205 to plus 110 is only 95, where on other ones you're getting well over 100. So I'd probably be looking to pair the Angels. I know you got people that are going to do the Kelly stuff and say, well, if, the, if you have it, the probability is there. I oftentimes, is where I differentiate from the market, I don't really believe in that. I don't think we know how to set edge. I've spent a ton of time on trading floors trying to do it. It's extremely difficult. And I think that's how you get yourself into trouble when you start to like, when you start to believe that your indicators increase the odds of it happening, I think that's how you get in trouble again. Feathers just like sticking out of my cap absolutely everywhere. So choke up the angels. I think the run line is viable, but again, I wouldn't look, I really wouldn't look to pay it. I especially don't like the other side of what I don't like about this is the minus sign in front of it. So if we're looking to cover, let's get plus money like we did before. Let's get plus money on the cover and not be paying juice to cover baseball, which again, can be very, very difficult. Oakland's terrible. Angels offense is good. But one of the things you got to be careful of is using kind of season long stats because they're so injured and they're like absolutely different teams when they're healthy and when they're not. So again, hopefully this is stuff you're getting at hammer HQ at, you know, call to the pen HQ. You can check out Rob and I'm bringing all types of smoke on the, the main YouTube channel. Hammer HQ is really rocking and rolling. And hopefully, you know, some of you people are picking up what we're putting down here and you decide to stick around for the baseball stuff. Be here five days a week. We'll be doing all this. Although we'll probably be more of the ana analysis, right? We wanted to just give everybody an intro, right? To me, the style, what we can expect, how we're going to be kind of pushing the limits, right? We're going to be taking advantage of all the information at our disposal and then using invaluable tools like BetStick, you know, to make sure that we're, again, winning along the edges. You know, that app is really clean. It's really fast. And even if you don't have access to every single book listed, it's still telling you where where the price is in other places. And if you see it in a lot of other places, there's a good chance it's going to move that way. And that may actually help you get in front of a good, of a better price that is going to change, like get in front of it or pump the brakes for a price you think is going to move in your direction. Again, I don't mind bucking up against CLV. I hate to like IKB. I know better the system, but again, I think I'm as good as anybody at this man. So make sure you're checking out betstamp.app slash call to the pen and, uh, you know, support the show. And uh, anywhere you want, comment. Um, you know, my boss, Rob, loves to get tweeted at. Tweet at him. Tag him. Tell him how good of a job I'm doing, right? I mean, what better way, you know, to uh, show your love and support, man, right? We're putting this out there for free. If it's free, it's for me. But, hey, I'm putting it out there a little, you know, you, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You know what I'm saying? So let's wrap this up strong as always. I hope you really all enjoyed the show. This is just totally, like I said, totally unlike, unlike anything else. We got two left. We could do them really quick. First up, it's Guardians going to Seattle. Bieber fever ah, against Luis Castillo and the M's. I, I just am in love with Luis Castillo. He's one of my kind of Cy Young guys. He also added on Velo, went through a pitch mix change. He's kind of throttling that changeup that he was so well known for, which is still a great pitch and has developed one of the better, if not best, fastballs in the entire league. So I really like... Castillo, the problem here, I'm looking at the model, is the model does not – I just can't get the Mariners to score on Bieber, which is really a shame. He's catching some heat, too, for a downgrade in fastball velocity, but his secondaries are so good. And this is one of the few times you also hear me say he has the clear, like, maturity edge on Seattle, right? You know, Bieber is a little long. He's long in the tooth. He's been doing this for a really long time. And I think he'll be inducing lots of chases. It really wasn't something Seattle was doing last year. But just in this particular matchup, when he gets up against, he just like outmatches rooks and young guys. Bieber has just been, the way he operates, again, you don't need the Max Velo sometimes because he's changing eye level, right, and working in different sides of his own. And then he's like a control beast. I don't think I would touch this one. I think the line is pretty fair. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it would move towards the Guardian so we could get a snap at Seattle if it gets close to even money. I think it might have been near even money when this one went up. Now at minus 120, I don't, don't think I have, I don't think I have the confidence, again, because not only is Bieber really effective, we're going to have a hard time getting him out of the game, right? So I like to target, I want to target, if we're going full game bets, we want to target 
that middle, that soft underbelly. Because remember, when I mentioned how unpredictable bullpens are, one of the matters in which they're unpredictable is the usage. Why? Because they're score determined. You know, it matters. Two ways to look at this. We want to run out the starter, even in a close game, to get to the soft underbelly. The problem with guys like Bieber that go seven innings habitually, he's going to give it to the good side of the bullpen. I forgot what I was going to say, Jekyll and Hyde, but I forgot which is the good one and which one is the bad one. I don't know the difference between Jekyll and Hyde, so make fun of me for that. But you're going to get the good side of the bullpen, whereas in a five-run game, you get the bad side, and that's where you run up your deep DFS. That's where you run up your overs looking to target that stuff. Problem here, two really, really good bullpens. I think the, the play here is probably on – that under accepted move from four to three and a half, the F5 I'm saying. So, you know, again, this is another one where in the morning we might have been on this one. Again, subs and stuff are going to be are going to have a more robust ticket because it's before the prices move. You know, you got to pay – you're getting plus 130 to cover the half run for Seattle. But, again, I just don't think the offense is there. They're really a bit inexperienced. Remember, Seattle really, I mean, just struggled mightily uh, down the stretch last year. I think they were worst. I think it was, bo- it was at least bottom two, a 221 team batting average. They were also dead last in doubles, dead last in line drive rate. You could see where Bieber kind of picks on them and gets enough distance to, you know, do work and get the dub. So I'm going to have to fade this one as much as I like it, which is really unfortunate because, like I said, I do, I do really like. Castillo, but I think I got to leave this one. Last one, last. You know, it's just so hard, man. I wish I was here kind of recommending more plays. It's very difficult. This one, again, I got by a hair. I got Gallon, and I got Julio Urias, who I really can, – can we get the – we have currents on these? Because these were stringing around, and this one I was hoping for. Now, this is a spot. How about the F5? So this is a, a spot, like I mentioned, where we have exactly what we were looking for. The problem is the matchup and that it's opening day in Urias. Though, he's one of the weaker aces. And I think let's mark this one as well. Let's get this one because I'm seeing plus money or even – oh, I, okay, wait, I'm sorry. I got the wrong one. Close to even money. So minus 105, we want the Diamondbacks in this one. We're going to go with Zach Allen. We're going to take the half run. We're going to play that race to 15, the best price that we can. And, again, here, bet stamp and the app just showing you in real time, like, why it's worth its weight in gold. Imagine, think about that. Minus 105 compared to minus 125 is quite literally the difference between me recommending it and not. And, and that's all you have to know. And I, I, there's people out there that say, I play 125. You could, Yes, you can. But the shifting of win probability, uh, win, win probability needed, right? Wins needed, I'm sorry. Win percentage needed. With that change, it's probably like 6 or 8%. That's crazy. For clicking a different button, again, bet stamp to the four. Hammer HQ to the four, big Johnny stud doing it all. So let's add this one as well. I really like the Arizona. We're going to get the F5 run line in play. So I think that made a couple, right? We highlighted a couple bets, and I think that'll get people off and running. Right, if I think we had three plays, I would probably stick this one around. I know I was mentioning 2%, but I probably had around min risk to start the season. So I'm probably around 1%. I probably go a third of a unit on all three of them. You know, if I have three plays, I'm going to go a third of a unit on all three of them just to keep it simple. If you want the more robust ticket, you want the algo scores, follow me on Twitter. We can walk through all that stuff. I already put up so much information here. Your head will absolutely spin. I put out custom pitcher charts, all the stats that you hear us referring to here at Hammer HQ on Call to the Pen. You hear me. You can get those sheets and see them for yourself in matchup view. You can sort it and play with it because I think that's what it's all about, right? We want to – I want to give you picks. I do. And I want you to win on the picks that I give you. I'd much rather you tell me that you use the pitching sheet and the model scores to find an edge and succeed. So I don't think we're going to get to the 1 p.m. games because they are starting off right now. And they have to have people run and rush. It's not worth it. Let's kill it here because we're really at the hour. And that's where I was trying to cap it. So, hey, man, thanks you so much, for everybody. That's what you're going to get here at Call to the Pen, the very first episode, our embarkation episode here streaming on Twitter, but you can look for us on YouTube starting tomorrow. I do not want to be streaming this. I want everybody focused on the YouTube channel because that's where the interaction will be the highest, where I'm not going to answer on Twitter these videos. If you want it, hit me up on YouTube. I will get to it. Absolutely promise. I have a little section of my schedule put out just for that. Make sure you tweet at Rob and tell him how good of a job I'm doing. Make sure you hit up the Hammer HQ. Hit up Call to the Pen 
HQ and the Twitter handles and YouTubes are all the same. And that's it, man. I guess that'll do it. You know, from the big dude with the big mouth, from the big apple, big Johnny Stud. You follow me at John Legaza. And there is more of that where this game from. We'll be here tomorrow in the same spot. But I think we'll do a little more of the game stuff and the theories that work more with the baseball, right? We're going to be incorporating more macro betting theories. But as we're betting, right, we need we want to be getting into micro theory, and then we'll be getting into micro game analysis. Also, I think where we'll be able to get ahead. And then again, use these statistics to highlight where we want a full game, where we want an F5, and why. Because that, at the end of the day, getting a push after five rather than watch a bullpen blow it and wasting three hours of your time. Yikes. Talk about a 360 loss. So, all right, I think I did all the housekeeping. Hammer, call to the pen, bet stamp. Make sure you're following us up, tweeting at Rob, and you can tweet at me as well. Because without, you know, you, there is no me. I'm just some fat guy screaming at his computer. So I think that'll do it. We will catch you on the flip side tomorrow. And remember the very last lesson. When you work this hard, it feels a lot less like luck, yo. Peace.